Unfortunately, I don't want. God damn it, I, <laughs> I I hate this. We couldn't uh, just let it slip I, under the rug. I hate every second of this. Hi, folks. It's a uh, JB and Lena Mean here on uh, the Yankees Mets Express again, part of Elite Sports uh, NY ESNY Radio, the voice, the pulse of New York sports, part of Crossing Broad. Shout out to the guys down in Philly. Um, all right, so. Yankees were eliminated on Friday, Lean. How did you spend your weekend after the fact? In in anger. Like oh, I'm I'm not even I'm not even sad this time. Like I've never been this angry with the Yankees. Like I, I don't know. There were a lot of carbs involved <laughs> on my end. Um <laughs> I definitely ordered from my favorite pizzeria a couple times. Uh definitely got some really bad Chinese food. Good for you. Um, Good for you. I punished my body in ways that no 34-year-old man should, especially one with a kid on the way. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, dude, I'm going to have to be somebody's father. What kind of example am I setting? I get so so sad from baseball. And it it gets to the (laughs) point where, okay, you're punishing your body. Then you're feeling really bad the next day. You're taking all sorts of medication to make yourself feel better. And then at some point or another, you lay down because that's the only comfortable position you can find. And next thing you know, you've taken a two-hour shame nap and you're fine. That was a lot, wasn't it? Bro. I'm definitely, yes, that was a lot. Very specific, too. <laughs> yeah. But um, ha- has Caitlin been giving you a hard time about it? No, Caitlin's actually been really good about it. Caitlin has um, been very sympathetic. At, like after She just saw how how sad I was after game five on Friday and was just like, Oh honey, I'm so sorry. Cause, cause she knows how much my teams mean to me. Um, she, uh, and she was like really close. She goes, you yeah. want to just sit out here and play video games, do your thing. I said, yeah, I think it's great. She didn't even ask me to come suck her in. And I, cause you, cause like you, I don't know how many of your friends have had babies, if any at all, but one thing that's, that's happened with Caitlin and, and apparently is common amongst moms. Cause I'm nocturnal as you know, like I I go to bed at 2 a.m. by default, if not later. Yeah. Um, And nor, and like in pre-baby times, Caitlin would like stay up till like around like 12, 31 o'clock around then. And then then she'd be like, okay, I got to go to bed. Mm -hmm. Um, But now, now that she's pregnant, since now we're like, I think starting tomorrow, because yeah, today's Tuesday the 13th, tomorrow, that's when we're officially kind of on baby watch. Right. Uh, th- oh yeah, Thursday. Thursday. My bad. Yeah. That's so uh, exciting. Yeah, but a- apparently one common thing of the pregnancy is that Kate, if Caitlin is up and out of bed past ten thirty, it's it's a rarity. Wow. So, <laughs> so like the game ended and she was like, "All right, I'm gonna go to bed." I had the living room to myself and oh, you yeah. cried. <laughs> Almost. I came pretty close. I feel um, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but on top of that, um, I guess now we just got to talk about it. Oh, now I just want to point this out as a playoff series, as a division series, 
uh, I have no complaints. This was a good series, just just from a baseball yeah. standpoint. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, from a neutral standpoint, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because like my, my brother actually said, my brother I would say is like you know more neutral than us because he's a Mets fan. Right. And yeah. He said that he enjoyed this series more than any series in recent memory, like baseball playoff series. And, and I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I think you'll agree with me on this. Like, except for games. No, 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 all the games, because we'll say this for the whole series. It kind of had almost a playoff hockey vibe to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because like, That's what made it fun. Yeah, because yeah. it kind of, oh man, here's a great example. It kind of reminded me of the 2014 East Finals, uh, Rangers versus Montreal. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Where, where <laughs> like, where you had, okay, there's like a blowout here, a blowout there, but everything else, it's it's so tight and close. Mm-hmm. Every game is playing chess. I agree. Um, And on the whole... I think that we, I know that we kind of like to bang on Aaron Boone for his bullpen management, which in game two, he deserves to be roasted for yeah. game two. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute, but on the whole, I look at how the, how the playoffs were set up this year, how tight a series it was. And across the board, I think that Aaron Boone did as good a job as he could have. Like, cause there's, I mean, yeah. it's not the manager's fault if the bats go cold. Like that, that's a mechanical thing that the manager just isn't responsible for. I had, I had a feeling we were going to like, you know, uh, have like differing opinions. I do agree that Aaron Boone, like, you know, it's not his fault that the offense just did not show up. Right. But uh, I think Aaron Boone was awful. Um, I don't think it was just game two. Um, I think he made some other poor bull, bullpen decisions. I don't, I don't understand why Mike Ford came in to pinch it at all. Mike Ford is not an MLB player. I um, think that my, I honestly, I think that because I, I didn't like the Mike Ford, the Mike Ford pinch it either. Who, who, did, who did he pinch it for again? I forgot. Uh, was it Higashioka? It was Higashioka. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one case where it's like you you want to put a run on the board in a hurry, and Mike Ford, because he is a three true outcomes player, um, uh, at least under normal circumstances, like that's one instance where you're you're throwing a piece of pasta at the wall and hoping that it, that it sticks. Yeah, and like I and in game I'd, five, like once you kind of tip your hand that, that that's your desperation, that's when that's when. The other team's gonna know. Oh, okay. Like, well, the manager—he's just made a mistake because we're inside his head right now. So now we can be aggressive. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah. If, if you don't mind, I kind of want to go on a little rant. Right oh, right. Now. Here we go. Yeah. Well, first, I'm gonna hit a different, a bunch of different points. But first, I want to talk about the players themselves. Um, the lineup was completely disappointing, as they have been the past few years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I, I literally wrote down the numbers of every player who like basically didn't come into pinch hit, like everybody who was starting fairly yeah. regularly, mm-hmm. Luke Voigt, ice cold. I, yeah. I understand he hit that home run, but my guy cooled down at the worst possible time. Gary Sanchez, we don't even really need to talk about that. I mean, I think, Gary Sanchez is a subject all on his own today. Oh we'll, yeah. We'll get to him later. For sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, Gary Sanchez, absolutely awful. DJ LeMayhew, I, I get that he was hitting those singles, but dude hadn't had an extra base hit in God knows how many weeks. I have never, because I've been following DJ LeMayhew for pretty much his entire career, Lee. Yeah. 
He is, we, we agree, he is probably the best contact hitter in the game today. Oh, yeah. I have never seen a, a batting champion uh, of, like, regardless of what year he won. I've never seen a guy who has won two however many batting titles look so completely off balance at the point. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, he oh, always, yeah. he kept biting on that curveball. Like, they, they did the same thing. Hey, just, he's going to, oh, he's going to try and work the count. So just throw him your fastballs early and then try to get him to either chase something out of the zone or foul it up, and he always bit on the curveball. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. like, dude, and, dude, because you, you see it all the time. The Yankees have the iPads in the, in yeah, the yeah, dugouts, yeah. right? Now, even though you're not allowed in the video room because of, because of Astros and Red Sox game, yep, mm-hmm. you have to figure these players have these iPads in the dugout. They probably have the means of getting on stadium Wi-Fi that, that fans otherwise can't have. And then they, they can probably receive footage of their at-bats in real time, no? Yeah. So you got to figure, how is DJ LeMahieu not picking up? Oh, like they're establishing fastballs quickly. Then they're, then I'm, I'm losing on curveballs. I got to be more aggressive on the fastball. Right. And it's, I'm actually glad you brought this up, Lean, because with all the guys who've gone ice cold, um, did you read my feature that went up yesterday? Okay. No, I did not. What was it about? Okay, so I was asked, I asked the question, is the 2021 season going to be more of the same? The short answer, no, it's not. And here's why. The amount of bad luck that the Yankee lineup ran into this, this year, Lean, imagine that someone is in a subway station, like waiting for, let's say, the D train to go to Yankee Stadium. The D train is coming into the station, and, this, and someone just run, jumps onto the tracks and runs headfirst into the train. That is the amount of bad luck that the Yankees had this year. Yeah. May, may I establish some numbers? Yeah, go. Okay. So here's the interesting contrast. Because the Yankees, they were a top five team in both weighted on base average and wins versus runs and wins runs created plus. Now, weighted on base average, for those who are listening at home, it's kind of like a leg up version of on base percentage where each hit or means of getting on base is assigned a value and that number changes every year. This is one of those mystery analytics, but this is the stat that people are starting to look at compared to batting average. So the Yankees were a t- and wins runs created. That's like, okay, this guy gets on base and like how many times of you getting on base and like contributing to a win, does that result in a run created? Something like that. So the Yankees top five team in both those categories. Um, but uh, here's some other stats that, that show the bad luck. Batting average, 14th in baseball, 247 is a team. Uh, batting average on balls in play, they hit 280. That's 21st in baseball. And it's and uh, Statcast, if you look at their barrel rate, you know when they get the um, when they have like the sweet spot of the bat on the ball, they rank 13th in that. Modest mark 7.7 percent. Then if you go to Fangraphs, dig a little deeper. Line drive rate ranked 14th. Fly ball rate ranked 21st. Ground ball rate top 10, number 10 exactly on the dot. Hmm. Now for a team whose bread and butter is power. And if those are your hitting metrics, that to me screams it's a combination of bad luck and it's a mechanical problem because you saw the same as I did. The Yankees got burned on the changeups and two seamers this year. Yeah. I yeah. I have to go back and look at the tape and see just how often it was those exact pitches and also just see what it was. But more often than not, the Yankees just weren't making good contact with the ball. Yeah. And if you're a team that says, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna be a home run team, we have power top to bottom. Yeah, that's great, but when your fly ball rate is mid to lower tier, what good is being a home run team? Mm-hmm. And like even it- like, even guys who 
don't rely as much on the home run ball. Like, yeah, I was going to say like Gio Urshela. Urshela was overall, he would, I know he was like, he had a good two games against the wild card. Yeah. But that was it, man. Like against the Rays, he was their second worst hitter. I would say he was absolutely awful. And like, and Judge too, man. Judge killed me. Yeah. I get it. You had an injury problem, whatever, whatever. But bro, you cannot, you carry this offense. You cannot be playing this badly at such a crucial time. And it's crazy because I was looking at his numbers and it's like, he had third and he had 30 at bats uh in in the postseason that, that's this scored, year yeah this year yeah okay. yeah 30 at bats in the postseason scored three runs hit three home runs had one single five ribbies four walks and 10 strikeouts like yeah. there are some other players on the team who walked about as often as he did and struck out as much as he did but they all contributed those are the players that yeah. i do want to pra- praise for example like brett gardner aaron yeah. hicks to an extent hicks didn't strike out as much but we can throw him in there and john carlos stanton like okay these guys are striking out and stuff but they're but producing like, but the, exactly, John Carlos Stanton yeah. responds by he he had a double, a single, and six home runs with thirteen ribbies. Brett Gardner, bro, he hit three sixty eight. You know what I'm saying? He had a five yeah. single, double, a home pe- run. People always say about Aaron Judge, like, oh yeah, well he was a rookie, yeah, he had that great year, but he also but he also struck out a record amount of times. Okay, yeah, but on top of but I I always I say this to everybody, Aaron Judge's strikeout numbers are. It's something you have to take with a major grain of salt because yeah, you mentioned yeah, yeah. you mentioned his ten strikeouts. I'm willing to bet I think maybe two or three of those were that low strike that he always. Gets oh, of course, with. of yeah. course, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But still, it's literally like that's true. Aaron Judge's strike zone is one of the most absurd things in baseball, a hundred percent. But like, like I was just saying, guys who were striking out as much, at least they were doing something. Like this guy, he slashed one thirty three, two twenty nine, four thirty three. That's not. Aaron Judge, you know, and that that's unacceptable. I mean, that I mean, you're also kind of leading into a point because the Yankees played played horribly in uh, in the the division series. They did, really did not play well in the latter half of this abbreviated season at all. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Had a five and fifteen slump, ten game winning streak, then you finished two and six. That right. you, that's not good. Right. But at the same time, at, that's why even though the Rays have a 2-0 lead in the ALCS, I'm not. I am not inclined to give the Rays much respect because it was a 60-game season. They went 40 and 20. Okay, great. You know who else was in first place for two months and then collapsed? The 2005 Orioles. <laughs> yeah. The, the 2005 Orioles, not many people remember this. They were managed by longtime Yankee coach, minor league coordinator, former Yankees and Mets player, Lee Mazzilli. Mm-hmm. Uh, his daughter, Lacey, I think, does, does um, all the stadium stuff right now. Like She like, handles all like, the fan trivia and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, af- after he'd been a coach with the Yankees for some time, he got the manager's job in Baltimore in 2004. 2005, the Orioles burst out of the starting gate. Early in the season, the Yankees, who are stacked top to bottom, they still got A-Rod, Jeter, they got Gary Sheffield. They've got yeah. some big bats in the lineup. They go to Baltimore for the weekend. They got swept. And everyone says, right. like, oh, God, like the Orioles, they just swept the Yankees for the first time in several years. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a really good team to watch. That this was a team that was in first place for 62 days and then didn't make the playoffs. Right, right. And and it cost Lee Mazzilli his job. Yeah. So the Rays, look, I'm not 
I'm not blind to the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays have some unbelievably talented players. As much as I hate this guy, Randy Arozarena is a player that I'm really excited to watch in the coming years. He is just like, he's got swagger. He's got great bat speed. I wish he was a Yankee. I think the St. Louis Cardinals are fools for trading him. G-Man Choi, he's got the Garrett Cole secret sauce somehow. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I get that it's exciting to see a small market raise team in the playoffs, but it was a 60-game season. They went 40-20. and 20. If you're going to look me dead in the eye and tell me that they would have maintained that momentum fully and kept their foot on the gas pedal and held the Yankees down for 162 games, I have a very hard time believing that. Josh, look, like I, you're, what you're saying is 100%. And like, I, I genuinely do believe if it was an entire season, the Yankees would have won the division. For me, there's no doubt in my mind that would have happened. But like, it's just for me, and this was kind of leading to my ultimate point, I guess, that I, I like know for a fact you're not going to agree with me on. Mm-hmm. I am more inclined to blame the Yankees 100% for everything. They had no excuse not to win this series. And it's just becoming the same crap over and over again. And I am honestly so over the front office. I think we have the most overrated front office in the entire league. I think slow, Brian Cashman's Slow down, time, slow down. No, Brian, let me, let me finish, let me finish. No, 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 Brian, I, I, also slow down because you're, you're saying a lot. It's, it's, hard, it's hard for my old ass to, to process it all. So. <laughs> Sorry, I'm angry. No, 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 Brian, you're fine, you're fine. Brian Cashman, I think his time is up. I get it, he's made some good moves. I understand that. Like Luke Voigt, he found a diamond in the rough in the rough with that. That's fine. Got yeah. Chad Green, got Gio Urshela. And over the years, he's just gotten a lot of gems and that's good. But it's just coming to the point where they make excuses for everything. And I don't think that this is sustainable. And like, for example, you have, first of all, Dallin Batances was never replaced in the bullpen. That's a point that like, I feel like a lot of people seem to miss. I mean, and, no, hold on, hold on. Dallin Batances pretty much was replaced in the bullpen. Just Tommy Canley needed Tommy John surgery. What? Tommy Canley just needed Tommy John surgery. That was your Dallin Batances. I mean, but the two overlapped though. You had both. Tommy Canley's not, no, I mean, in the sense that like, of the, like the, the, I don't mean at, in the role. It's just that you had a guy who just disappeared and wasn't replaced. And then Tommy Canely gets Tommy John surgery. You're arguably your most important reliever and then just disappears. And no, he is not replaced at all. And it's just these little, and then you're starting pitching. Just, you don't get any help from that at all. Yeah. um... It is infuriating. And I really, I do not see, I've said this for like two years now. I don't think this Yankees core is going to win a world series. And now I don't even think that's going to be the case. As long as the front office is here, I think there need to be a lot of changes. And I know what's going to happen during the off season, bro. They're going to say we have Herman back, who was the most overrated pitcher in baseball and Severino's back. So that's fine. Don't get me wrong. I think Severino is elite. I think he's real. I do think he's a little overrated, but I think he's a great number two. And it's important that they're getting him back, but they're going to not make moves and then blame it on injury. And it's just going to be the same thing over and over again. I don't, I, I'm going to half agree with you. I think that uh, this, this year, there's no excuse. The Yankees, they look injuries happen, but 
you know it's a short season, you know it's a marathon sprint to the finish line in 60 games, and the team didn't come through. That plain and simple. You, you can't sugarcoat right. it. You think, oh, coulda, woulda, shoulda, oh, injuries this, injuries that. Yeah, right. that's all fine and dandy, but you gotta work with what you have. And, exactly. Yeah, and it didn't and it didn't come through. Um in terms of Brian Cashman, he's he's not going anywhere. Uh, he, I know he's not, but I think he should. Yeah. Well, let me finish. Um, but I think, especially given what has come out since game two. Now, for those who didn't watch game two, the Yankees opened with Davey Garcia. He gave up a run in the first inning and threw close to 30 pitches. And then Jay Happ came on and just... Granted, part of it was C.B. Buckner being behind the plate, being a terrible umpire. But Hap, he did what he he did what he always does, and when he's not getting those calls in the corners, he started leaving pitches in the middle of the plate. Mm-hmm. And then later, it came out that he wasn't okay with the idea of right. being the bulk guy after an opener. Now, a lot of this has to do with the fact that Hap is one of those old school type starters who's like, "My routine is my routine. I don't like to deviate from it," which. All the books I've read on pitching, I don't want to fault a pitcher for that. But for Cashman to basically like say, no, here's what we're doing. We're going by the analytics and getting that kind of pushback publicly from a player. Now, Happ and, and Cash, they've been butting heads in the press oh, too because of all because year, of, all yeah, year. Yeah, because of uh, because of Happ's option. option. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I'm because of Happ's age and how he's unpredictable. I'm actually going to side with the Yankees on that one. I, mean, I think anyone with a brain would <laughs> yeah. side with the Yankees on yeah. that. Um, but if you're if that kind of dirty laundry is being aired, not like. This isn't like the Manish Mehta, Jamal Adams bit in the Daily News where it's you really right. pull back the curtain on how toxic the Jets organization is under Adam Gase. But I think that with Hap, what's the saying? You pull one thread, it's going to get longer. Like mm-hmm. more, like yeah. follow the thread, see where it goes. Um, and I think that if there is, because Lindsey Adler dropped something in the Athletic today, where pretty much said, pretty much was like a short list of what the Yankees are going to spend their offseason doing. Mm-hmm. But if Hap said that, you got to wonder how many other players are willing to talk and maybe go, and maybe go anonymous. Because, really? look, if you got to figure if there's one guy who's, who's um, dissatisfied, there's got to be another. I don't but know. Like, I, I, I'm speculating. That's a, that's a fair point. But Jay Hap is so like... I don't know. It's just there's no way to even kind of take his side in this. And Cashman, like I said, I'm I'm roasting Cashman, but he was 100% correct in what was going on with Hap. He even said, like, he's basically saying, you're not good enough for us to give you the option. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't it's, pitch it's, well enough. It's, like, it's, it's not like the Yankees are doing something absurd and they're doing it with other players too, you know? Right, like, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's, but with the pitching staff, the Yankees have lots of decisions to make because Cole is a lock to come back. So is Jordan Montgomery. Masahiro Tanaka is a free agent. They they have to resign him. You know, Josh, actually, I was gonna um, I was gonna uh, pick your brain about Tanaka. So Tanaka, in both he he started two games right in the postseason. Both yeah. of those games were his worst playoff starts in his career. What do you like? Do you think that at all is going to play a part in how the Yankees, you know, deal with him? Absolutely not. You don't think uh, so? Yeah, because you don't negotiate contracts based off a of playoff performance. The playoff performance is a bonus. 
a, a contract yeah. a contract is negotiated based on what, what are you going to contribute over the course of 162 games so that we may get to the playoffs and anything that just, happens after the fact true, is a bonus. True. But and, like I don't know, I just feel like it's different with Tanaka and the Yankees because first of all, the Yankees obviously they expect to go every year. They expect to end up in the playoffs. Yeah. Plus Tanaka, like he's been over the past however many years their best playoff pitcher. Obviously, it's going to change with Cole, but right. You know, and I feel like that is something that they keep in mind. But no, you br- you you bring up a fair point. Um, yeah, I I think with Tanaka. It's just sort of like the shock effect that Red Sox had with David had with David Ortiz at one point because you because mm. you're you're not too young to remember how oh three oh four the Yankees throwing the David Ortiz anything less than a double was considered a miracle right but then like oh five oh six comes along and they realize okay we're gonna we're gonna play the ship we're gonna pitch him down in the zone yeah. we're gonna mix in more off speed stuff. And all of a sudden, David Ortiz isn't ripping the Yankees, isn't roasting the Yankees as much anymore with his bat. Mm-hmm. With Tanaka, the Rays, specific, Kevin Kiermaier specifically said, no, no, we know right. that he was tipping his slider and we knew what to watch for with his breaking pitches. And yeah. so sure enough, if you look back at that tape and if, mo- and if you look at most of Tanaka's bad starts, he's, he's hanging or tipping his slider. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. So I think that given how Matt Blake, he had like some rocky waters to to manage when he came when he came aboard as pitching coach i think on the whole yeah. he's he's bought himself at least another year um and i yeah, think i mean i i haven't seen anything to make me praise him at all but i do think that you just said it well he bought himself another year yeah you know? matt yeah matt blake yeah, people have to understand he has never coached prior to this job with the yankees he was a field coordinator but guys love working with him Max yeah Scherzer, gives mm-hmm. him a glowing endorsement and you got to figure play, being in New York and during a pandemic, there's going to, uh, even without a pandemic, there were going to be some growing pains. Yeah. So I think, so yeah. I think with Matt Blake, let's see how he does next year. And if it's more of the same, or if it's only, if it's only nominal or minimal improvement, then we can talk about uh, a change. In yeah, for start. sure. Yeah. I'm um, there. Yeah. And, but backtracking to Tanaka, I've, I've made my point on this very clear. I'd love to have him back, not at 20 million a year. And, yeah, and yeah. we've talked in the ESNY Slack chat uh, with Danny Small and, he, and Danny has made the suggestion, just add an extra year to the contract and he'll take a hometown discount, which knowing Tanaka and how he opted into this contract initially, mm-hmm. I think that um, all signs do point to him wanting to stay, to him uh, yeah. being a career Yankee, um, the only place I could see him going if he does resign somewhere else, I think maybe he'd go out west just so it's easier to get home to Japan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I like. I, I feel like t- we've talked about it before. I feel like Tanaka would uh, wants to stay. Like, I really do think that he loves being a Yankee. Um, and, D- and and DJ LeMahieu said that he wants to stay too. Right, right. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I just hope that the Yankees handle handle these situations well and there's just like there, there's a lot that needs to be done in my opinion during the offseason like they really really need to work on this pitching they need to go and get at least like another proper starter they need to get in my opinion two relievers um and and there are going to be a significant amount of of top tier relievers available this offseason so they need to they need to do something who, who is on the reliever market anyway Alex Colme, who is awesome. 
that I yeah, would love the, to yeah, have him. Yeah, uh, Liam Hendricks is available. Uh, Blake Trinan is available. Um, uh, Tri- yeah, Trinan hasn't been the same since that one year. Yeah, Trinan's a little weird. Um, I actually think he did have a pretty decent year this season. But um, I know he was awful last night. Like, he he, uh, he definitely messed it up for the Dodgers. But I think yeah. he was overall okay. I'm looking at his numbers now. Yeah, because, like, the problem with, with Alex Colony and Liam Hendricks, I'm worried that they're, they'd want to go to teams where they're going to be closers. Yeah. And, like, the Yankees, even despite Aroldis Chapman's bad playoff Actually, Josh, thank you. Can we uh, – thank you for bringing that up. I completely forgot. I wanted to talk about that. So I wanted to preface this by saying I do love uh, Aroldis Chapman, and I do think that he is the best closer in baseball. But the guy has, like, absolutely no clutch genes in his body. He – it's like it's in his contract to blow big games he did it with the cubs almost cost them the world series well done it like you you can't you can't blame uh his poor performance with the cubs on him because joe madden used him horribly that's true but still if you're that good i don't know and like and he's done it almost every year with the yankees i don't know what it is i don't know what it is about yankees closers It's, it's not just it's not just chapman i've seen this with several yankees closers over the years and R- Rivera went through this too. So Rivera was the, he's the goat in terms of closers, but he went through this exact thing every year. Every closer goes through a patch every season where they just cannot get the job done. Yeah. And Chapman has had quite a few of those with the Yankees. And it happens at the worst times. Right. That's the They're, thing yeah. during and, like elimination games. Yeah. And, but the good, one reason I'm still excited about, about um, Aroldis Chapman and, and broadcasters were talking about this. He's starting to throw a splitter, which mm-hmm. given yeah. how Chapman, he's, he's getting older, he's over 30 now. You can see that his, his velocity, it's still there, but it kind of takes him a few pitches to get ramped up once he's in the game. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah and the slider, uh, it's either people aren't swinging at it or it's hanging right in the middle of the plate. The fact that he's, uh, he's shifting to, I guess, sort of an alternate fastball and he's got those long fingers, so he has a really good splitter grip. I think that's really going to help him over the rest of his contract. Uh, uh, some, yeah. something, uh, uh, something else about Chapman, um, the... Uh, so you know how Gary Sanchez came into the game, like how he was catching Chapman when that when it happened. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what was the pitch that uh, Brosso homered on? Do you remember what it was? I think it was just a fastball up and in. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to find the tweet right now, but I can't. Um, S- Sanchez actually called for I believe it was a slider and Chapman shook him off and then threw the fastball and I thought that was really and and the guy who posted it was like I wonder what would have happened if he hadn't like if he had just listened to Gary and that that had me thinking this is actually a really good time to shift the conversation to Gary Sanchez um true so in the series Kyle Higashioka he overtook Sanchez as the starter because Gary Sanchez, as we saw a year long, he just wasn't hitting. He, yeah, yeah I, I don't know what it is about this guy, Lane. He works so hard. He's got such great power. We know he can hit. Yeah. And yet, the, and yet he just like, he can't get the right sauce. I don't know whether it's a mental thing or a physical thing. Um, but one stat that stood out to me was the catcher ERA between the two of them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because now catcher ERA that for I don't know how the the form is how the formula is concocted. I'll have to look that up. But pretty much, ladies and gentlemen, a catcher ERA is that they figure, okay, how does a catcher call a game? They crunch some numbers and they assign an ERA to him. I remember when um, Brian McCann came to the Yankees all those years ago. Yeah. He, his catcher ERA the season before, I think, was in the high twos. Mm. So that's why they were really excited to have him work with the staff. Right. But between Higashioka and, um, and Sanchez, Higashioka's catcher's ERA on the season was in like the, the mid-high threes. Sanchez, 4.79. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Now, to me, that screams, that absolutely screams that Gary Sanchez and the pitching staff are having a very hard time communicating and getting on the same page. Yeah. Now, I've heard, I've heard A-Rod say in interviews how with Sanchez, um, where he's from, in the Dominican Republic, it's it's very rural. So and guys from there tend to have a harder time with the language barrier. Like it takes them it takes them longer to master the language. I don't know if I, I'm, I'm sure that's not the case with Gary Sanchez because he like like I said he works so hard. You have to figure like he's trying to be the best he can in the locker room and across and even Garrett Cole, who even though he was working with Kyle Gashioka, he has said several times how much he enjoys working with Gary Sanchez. Yeah. So I, uh, so, and I really don't know what, what the diagnosis of the problem. Brendan Cuddy had um, a great piece in NJ.com, uh, I think it was yesterday, where he spoke to several people, or he and like NJ.com staffers uh, and writers spoke to uh, several executive scouts, what have you. Um, one thing that stood out to me is that they said, look, the, the window to trade Gary Sanchez, it's gone. Like, oh, if, yeah, he has no gonna, value. Like, if you're if you're gonna get something for him, it's like he, it, uh, I can't talk today. <laughs> People yeah. are going to look at him as a reclamation project, yeah, like off the scrap heap. So it'd be of like, course. okay, um, you've got nothing great, we've got nothing, let's trade our respective nothings, right? One, one uh, scenario that's actually crawled through my mind that I think might work out for the Yankees just because of the short porch in right field, uh, is that they traded Sanchez to the Padres for Francisco Mejia, the former Indians catching prospect who can switch hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he, so he's still young. He's only in his 20s. He hasn't had much, uh, much time up in the majors and, what, and he hasn't done much when he's been up here. Yeah. But he was enough of a prospect that the Indians were willing to part with him in, what trade was it here? I'm, I'm gonna look it up, uh, what trade Francisco Mejia. Yeah, I can't remember what they got in return for him. Yeah, here, I'm pulling that up right now. Uh, so he debuted with Cleveland in 2017, uh, signed with the Indians out of the Dominican Republic. Okay, he went to the Padres in the Brad Hand trade. Brad Hand, that's what it was. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So in, so he's 24. He's going to turn 25 later this month. And if you look at his uh, career stats, he has 128 career games since 2017, He's a 225 career hitter mm-hmm. with 12 home runs. And his career season was last year in San Diego, 79 games, 265 uh, with eight home runs, 22 RBIs. So that that's one trade that could happen. It's probably not going to because the yeah. Padres, given how they run, they're probably more inclined to trade Mejia for pitching or an yeah. outfield or whatever. Um, Agreed. Now, but you and I have had, and oh, and another scout even said 
Gary Sanchez isn't the right guy to be a catcher to begin with because he's not particularly mobile. Mm-hmm. So like, so yeah, he's had three yeah. different catching instructors and his defense isn't great. Okay, you can try and get him to improve, but on the whole, there's always going to be those issues because he's just not a very mobile guy. Whereas, right. whereas Agashioka, he's kind of doing the whole Dominic Hasek thing of I'm going to block over here, I'm going to block over here, I'm going to jump. <laughs> yeah, up he and literally down looks like ball. a hockey goalie back there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you and I though have actually had this conversation several times. So I'm going to let you open the discussion. Lean, what should the Yankees do about Gary Sanchez? I've, I've been saying this and I stick with it and uh, I'm going to stick with it. And you and I have like, I think agreed on it for the most part. Yeah. I give Gary Sanchez one more year. This is kind of his yep. make it or break it year. And then if he just doesn't improve and plays the same way that he played this year um, and parts of last year, then you got to move on from him because he's becoming like a liability to this team. He really is. Um, I don't know how much of it has to do with coaching. I don't know how much of it is him. Um, But one thing I'm going to say about Gary Sanchez is that, yes, next year is absolutely his make or break year. And I said this in my article that went up yesterday, too. JT Real Muto is not happening. Oh, yeah. There's not going to be some magic trade that the Yankees pull off and all of a sudden everything that ailed us this season is going to stop. No. I am so so against like the Yankees getting JT Real Muto, bro. And, like, and, yeah, go ahead. Like, it's literally, I keep saying like the same phrase over and over again. You cannot give a record breaking deal in this case, I guess what, like a $200 million deal. That, that's how much a, he's rumored to want. Yeah, yeah. To a 30 year old catcher, bro. Exactly. Not only is he 30 or like about to be 30 soon, whatever, it's also catcher, bro. The most injury prone position. And you know, they don't even go far like playing this position. So he's going to end up getting moved either to first base or end up being a DH. You're going to pay all that money for him. No, thank you. Let another team go do that, bro. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, look, and and this isn't a knock against JT Real Muto as a player. He's the best catcher in the game. Absolutely. Like, yeah, 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 he yeah. Is, he is bar none. JT Real Muto is the bar none top catcher in all of baseball. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not taking that away from him. What He he deserves a record-setting contract yeah. from somebody. I wouldn't give him $200 million. Yes. I'd be I'd bulk at maybe giving him $100 million, but yeah. that's just me. The fact of the matter is, JT Real Muto, if, if you come to the Yankees, look, you've got Cole's contract on the books. Giancarlo Stanton officially uh-huh. opted in ahead of the playoffs. You gotta you gotta pay Torres soon. You gotta yeah. re-sign DJ LeMayhew. You got a big contract on the books for Aaron Hicks. You gotta pay Judge still. Right. And, and all of a sudden you're gonna mortgage the future and trade away all these top prospects who are now gonna be blocked just to get a 30-year-old catcher who, okay, yeah, he's gonna be better than Gary Sanchez, but he's gonna age faster. Right, exactly. Gary, Gary Sanchez is what, like 27? I think he's, yeah, like three years younger than him. Like, yeah, yeah, he's 28 in December. And yeah. look, here's, <laughs> here's what Gary Sanchez has to do next year in order to get back into good graces. First off, he doesn't need to hit for a great average because batting average doesn't matter anymore. Gary Sanchez needs to hit at or about 240 to stay yeah. relevant next year. Mm-hmm. And he has to keep the strikeouts down and like, yeah. hopefully he will. And cause like I saw on his Instagram all last off season, he really was working to not chase that slider away anymore. Mm-hmm. So 
I, and so I think that Gary Sanchez, if he could hit at or about 240 with, let's say, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, then he's fine. If he yeah. can stay healthy and hit consistently and over and stay out of extended slumps, I think we're fine. And just like get on base more too, man. Like try that to get those said, walks. That said, if I'm Brian Cashman right now, I am talking to Damon Oppenheimer. I'm talking to Tim Nairing. I'm telling these guys, you need to keep this on the down low. Start scouting college, the international market, uh, teams that have it, that have established catchers, but really good prospects who are blocked in the minors. Look for someone who. Ideally, a left-handed bat. Like I think that the I think that the model yeah. you're looking for if, is if the Yankees can find their own version of the Baltimore Orioles, Adley Rutschman, then they'll be in good yeah. shape. Maybe you look at Austin Wells and say, you know what? I know we saw you as a first base outfield type. Let's see how you do behind the plate. Man, it's just like, and that's what pisses me off about the Yankees is that like they make it a point to draft catchers in every draft, but even the ones they draft, like there's a question mark on them. I understand that Austin Wells, like he's a good hitter you know yeah. like that's become very clear that's why they wanted him so badly but like he does have his issues and one of them being you just said it they he's I guess more of a first base outfield type Kyle and, Schwarber is the pro comparison I've heard yeah exactly there you go and uh, the defense behind the plate is awful so you have the same thing in Gary Sanchez back there and then Anthony Siegler who looks great on paper I am personally a huge fan of him yeah, me too. especially that he's a switch hitter but dude once he got signed my guy forgot how to swing a bat so I don't know what we're doing well, here. Siegel, like, well, Siegler, you gotta, you gotta understand, he's still very young. Oh no, I know, and I give him, like I said, I love him, and I do think he has the potential to be great. But it's just what we've seen so far is a little disappointing, you know. I mean, he's um, only. I mean, anyone that you get out of high school, because yeah, because the Yankees took him in 2018. Okay, here's the problem. He was committed to sign and play college baseball at the University of Florida. Go Gators. Um, and he could play infield and outfield. And be, he wants to be a catcher. But then the Yankees drafted him in the first round in 2018, and he, and he decided to forego college. I think that anytime you have one of these guys who yeah. looks really good on paper, and then they decide to forego college and go right to the pros, their development's going to take a little uh, longer. He only just turned 21 in June. And he didn't really have a minor league season to work with this year. We don't know what he's going to be able to do next year. Right. So I think that with Siegler, you need to watch him for a couple more years as well. Yeah. Especially particularly in defense, because if, if Anthony Siegler gets a scouting report, all right, he's going to hit 270, have 15 to 20 home runs a year, but he's going to, he's going to not strike out that much. He's going to draw a lot of walks and he's going to play passable catching defense. Great. Bring him aboard. That's already an upgrade from yeah. the current Gary Sanchez. Yeah, because like the, so, yeah. it just goes like the Yankees have this fascination of like they want guys who can mash, which okay, I get that's been part of the culture, and I'm all for it because baseball is a game of home runs right now. It's launch angle and exit velocity, but it's like Aaron Boone says all the time: you got to string hits together. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and and people say, oh, well, in that case, it's the hitting coach's fault, Marcus Timms. I've met, I've talked about my boy Alec on the um. Yeah, uh, who's a hitting coach on the pod before and at the academy that he's at some MLB guys go there I'm not going to drop any names but this guy said to Alec uh, this pretty established uh, major league baseball player um, I'll tell you who it is when we're done recording um, yeah. yeah he this guy has basically said 
Yeah, hitting coaches there allow these guys in the offseason to work with their own swing guys who they trust more than the team's hitting coach. Right. So Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, and I'm not surprised. Yeah, so which so and then I said to Alex, okay, but then what then what's the point of having having a hitting coach at all because these guys know what works for them. What is at that point the hitting coach just seems like a batting practice pitcher. So, and then he responded, "Oh, well, I guess it's an ever-evolving position." Yeah. Now, that said, Marcus Timms, if he has to be the fall guy, it's sad because I really like Marcus Timms, yeah. but, it, but then so be it. And not just that, he has popped up in enough manager searches. I think the, I think the Tigers have him on their radar right now. Yeah. That if, if the Yankees let him go, it'll suck, but he'll get another job. It's not like yeah. this will ruin his career as a coach. Right. But with Gary Sanchez, the, the window is rapidly closing. Next, oh, yeah. next year is his last chance. And if the Yankees can't figure that out, then they got to hope that either Eric Kratz stays an ageless wonder or they've got to get used to having Kyle Higashioka, who's already 30 years old and not really an upgrade over Sanchez. Yeah, that's the problem. You know, you said it very well when we were texting um, yeah. about the catching situation. With the Yankees, it's currently at a... Um, at a pick your poison kind of thing. And that's, that's very, very true. It's like, okay, we all love to say, yeah, start Kyle Higashioka, Gary Sanchez is trash. But like, I'm sorry, why are we acting like Kyle Higashioka is like Yadier Molina, bro? He is, okay, like he did have a good postseason. He was actually one of our better hitters and he played stellar defense behind the plate. But come on now, like Kyle Higashioka cannot be your long-term number one catcher. Over the course of a 162 game season, Kyle Agashioka is probably going to bat. Let's let's say that he plays in 140 games. Kyle Agashioka is probably going to bat maybe 220. Yeah, maybe. He'll, he'll have like seven or eight home runs. And the only real difference between he and Gary Sanchez is that he's going to get out just as much, just not via the strikeout. Right. Now, that's, now that's still, that'll still contribute to his like wins, runs created plus of and course. weighted on base average because it's like I said to you earlier. Even if you're you slowing out, over. yeah, he could still yeah. he could still advance runners. He could he could like fly out the center, but then a guy moves to third. Right, oh, exactly. Oh, it's a runner on third, one out. Oh, he'll get the sack fly instead of striking out. Right. But when push comes to shove, when you get down to brass tacks, it's not that much of an upgrade. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm you think that I that I'm a Gary Sanchez homer? I'm not. I'm saying this as someone who owns a Gary Sanchez jersey. Yeah. Gary Sanchez, I was excited by him. I fell for the 20 home runs in, a, in like two months in 2016. I think we all did, man. Yeah, and yeah. look, may, maybe he got into his own head about it. Maybe, I, actually, this, this had me wondering. Because you know how Gary Sanchez was having trouble with the fastball this year? Yeah. I'm wondering if it's because in his offseason and then quarantine training, he was focusing too much energy on the slider that he kind of uh, messed with his timing on the fastball. No, it could be that. Honestly, and Josh, you just said it, and I was going to bring it up too. I think that like a big, a big, big part of the issues that he had this year, like it's his own psychology. I think that like he, you know, wasn't in the best of mental states. And that was the fact like probably thinking too much, just doing too much in his own head. And he just needs to like, 
I don't know, like just not stress and take it easy and just trust his own abilities. Cause like you said earlier, we all know that the guy can hit. We've seen him play very well offensively. He's the, he's the fastest catcher in baseball history, history to 100 home runs. Right. Like he, you know, he, he does say he, he has done things correctly. It's just. And I, I think, and I think you're right that um, he was in his head because uh, Andrew Marshawn did a story uh, in 2016 for ESPN that Gary Sanchez, he is motivated to play and work so hard because of his daughter so, um, with his wife, Sa- Sahara, Sahara. I don't know. How, I don't know how she pronounces it, mm-hmm. but um, he's doing this for his little girl. And you have to imagine he put so much pressure on himself to succeed. And that when he, and that when he like, when he doesn't perform well, he's kind of thinking, Oh, I'm not just letting my team down. I'm letting my family down. Right. And I think that, one thing that he would benefit from and this is and i say this to all athletes and and to people in general he needs to see a sports psychologist yeah go see a sports psychologist i'm with you there like it could be it could be down in dr it could be up here just sit down talk to someone talk about okay what do you where's your head at in the game james paxton sees a sports psychologist and he says it's been widely beneficial to his career yeah and like James Paxton, I hope that he does well on another on another team. I think that he yeah. is a great pitcher who's just gotten really bad luck with injuries. Mm-hmm, and yet, weirdly, sure. I think that because of we don't know quite how COVID is going to affect the free agent market, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if the Yan- if he took a qualifying offer, if the Yankees even extended him. More yeah, than. yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I think Cashman might just to like just because it's just to ensure that there are some bodies in the rotation next year. Yeah which yeah I like I really and I've been vocal about it before I really don't want James Paxson to be here next year but I am completely preparing myself for that to be the case uh, to be around so am I because Lindsay Adler said that uh, in her piece with the athletic play that the Yankees because of uh because of uh the pandemic they're looking at another round of cut- cutbacks and layoffs apparently okay yeah that's... yeah so you have to figure free I think that if Paxton does get a qualifying offer and accepts it, he's going to be one of many players who does. Because mm-hmm. we've seen um, owners last year being an exception for the past couple of years, they've been trying to manipulate the free agency market. Yeah. Like we saw it in a year with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. No, it's like, hey, you spend the money. No, no, you spend the money. No, no, I don't want to spend the money. You spend the money. And then followed by that with, Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon and Mike Moustakis and all of a sudden everyone's opening up the wallet again. Mm-hmm. I think that this year with teams not having made as much money from, from gate attendance and no fan and just no fans all around and revenues taking a hit team wide because of the pandemic. I don't think we're going to have a very active free agency this year. Yeah, it's, not, well, it's not a very good market either. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. I just saw, so um, Hal Steinbrenner was just on the Michael K show. I think uh, that just ended like a minute ago or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like some quick pointers about what he was saying. Uh, First thing he said is that uh, Aaron Boone is absolutely going to be here next year. He said, quote unquote, Aaron Boone will be back next year. That's just a fact. Um, he also said 
it it looks like uh which is I think what we all expected and hoped for. I think uh re-signing DJ LeMay, he was a priority on his list. Yeah, he was pretty um, tight. He was he was tight-lipped about that to the point where where it's like he's kind of saying like I understand his value. We're working on yeah, it. Yeah, he said like I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't realize like how important DJ LeMay he was to the team. So that's uh, that's pretty good. How, um, if, if you think about it, Lean, this is this is actually a good a good conversation to have now in like the last like five ten ish minutes of the show. How Steinbrenner, if you think about it, is almost a perfect owner, um, because he's the complete exact opposite of George. And that mm-hmm. he understands, look, the front office is there to make the team run. I'm going to chip in as needed, but I trust my guys. I trust my guys. And I mean, like, to an extent, you're right, but I do have my issues with him. I feel like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like this, the, the organization is cheaping out on us. And, like, especially, man, the, the, the stuff, how they messed up during the, at the trade deadline – like I'm, I'm equally as mad at Cashman as I am Steinbrenner, um, but like you know, I'm not as over Steinbrenner as I am Cashman, and I think that like he apparently sounded very upset like when he was on the show, the Michael K show, and mm-hmm. I just want him to turn his words into actions, and if he if he can have a great off season this year, and then if need be a great trade deadline next year, then I, I'm you know then I, I'll take back my words, but um, I, I just hope that he actually does something with, with what he's saying. So, so do I, cause like, he, cause he's one of those owners who does not crave uh, the spotlight. It like, Oh yeah, yeah. 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 He's like, if I could sit in my, if I could sit in the plane all day and just conduct business from there and nobody talks to me, I'd be great. Yeah. And I'm right. looking at, and I look at him, I'm like, my guy. All right. So yeah, yeah but uh, <laughs> on the whole, I think that, the Yankees are doing what every other team in baseball is doing right now. They're trying, they're trying to replicate Moneyball in their own way. That's yeah. like, yeah. And, and you Oakland. Know, speaking, ahead. sorry to interrupt. Speaking of which, um, I think, uh, obviously this doesn't have to do with like Oakland or anything, but Michael Kay, I don't know if you heard that little rant he went on after the game. Um, it kind of like a lot of people were sharing it and I thought that he nailed it. I had never seen him be this mad at the Yankees. This was after game two. And he was like, the Yankees are out here. And I think he was speaking in general too, honestly. He was like, the Yankees are out here trying to be the smartest guys in the room. And they are just trying to do it with teams that are smarter than them. Like you're trying to outsmart the Rays. The Rays are smarter than you. And he was like, you're going to look back at game two. And yeah, the Yankees have their problems, but game two is going to be that. What if they just executed this differently? Because the plan for game two, me personally, and Josh, I literally texted you this. I like the idea. I like the idea because I didn't trust David right. Garcia, but it's just that that's the problem. Your other option, Jay Hab. What, what did Michael K say? He's like, they thought they were bringing in Sandy Koufax or something. You're bringing in Jay Hap, who is not a good pitcher, you know? And it's I just, mean, I don't in, know what you're trying to fairness, do here. In fairness to Hap, he did have some starts. Like he did have more starts this year where he looked pretty good than he, than uh, when he looked god awful. No, no, of course, Josh. But like, we know yeah. that like, he's, he's not a, I, I'm with you there. Right, Jay no. Hap down the stretch yeah. is one of our better pitchers, yeah. but like in the, he's not good in the postseason. And you're risking it with him. Here, here's what I would have done in that circumstance. I still would have brought Hap into the game just not in the second inning. 
I would have right. give, I would given, have given Garcia more. I yeah. would have given Garcia one more inning, maybe one more time through the order, mm-hmm. um, and then I would have said to Hap, "Hey, hold the line." Yeah. Um, but the fact that you're asking Hap to come out and be the bulk guy after an opener just because he did a good job with it a few times last year in a playoff game. Come on, dude. Yeah, In a playoff game. Exactly. This isn't like a random regular season yeah. game, bro. This is game two of the playoffs and you have the momentum I mean, and everything just shifted after that, man. Yeah. And it's you know- like, I, I've talked many times about how I asked Bucky Dent what he thought of analytics. Mm. Cause like, uh, Every, for everyone here knows, Bucky Dent, 1978, Yankees and Red Sox are having a one-game playoff to establish who wins the Eastern Division. Mm. The Yankees have come all the way back from a 14-game deficit to pretty much tie the, the AL East and force this playoff. So Bucky Dent comes out, and he hadn't been himself all year. He had a really bad 1978 season. He was playing with, with a bad leg or like a bad knee, something like that. And he's on deck before he hits the home run and then the uh the manager bob lemon has to decide am i going to put uh bucky den up there or am i going to bring in a lefty bat against the right-handed pitcher brian doyle mm. and i made up and bucky dent came up hit the go-ahead home run yankees won the game the rest is history they won the right right series. yeah um but i asked bucky dent like hey <clears throat> if that game were happening today this this was in this would have been in 2018 if this game were happening today <clears throat> you getting pinch hit for wasn't just a, a possibility it'd be a certainty a certainty yeah like you might not have even been in the lineup yeah and then i and then i asked him but now baseball is becoming more scientific and and like what do you think about that and he said well look the numbers have value but it all comes down to feel of the game yeah man. and he yeah. talked and he talked about like when I, he said when i was in the minors i'm learning how to play shortstop as a professional uh and as various hitters come up a coach would then wave a towel at me to try and to get try and like let me know which where I had to be positioned, and then right. eventually uh, he took away the towel. And then I said, "Okay, this guy is this kind of hitter. That guy is that kind of hitter. He likes to hit the ball this way. This guy's going to hit it more up in the air." And then based on what I knew the hitters were probably going to do, that's how I would position myself. Right. And now the Yankees they're playing the shift on Joey Wendell, but he's but then oh okay great I'm a great contact hitter. Slap the ball down the left field line. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm not, look, I'm never going to be the guy who says ban the shift because mm-hmm. I'm, that's telling teams how to, how to run themselves. And I'm not okay with that. You can tell teams how to run themselves to a certain extent. Yeah. Because, because otherwise we'd have Astros. All Astros. Over the yeah. Yeah. But exactly. Like, <laughs> but when it comes to how you position your players on the field, I'll say this right now. Look, because we saw the Rays do this. You want to ban the shift too? If you want to ban the shift, great. Ban the four-man outfield. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Then you you can't you can't have both, or pick one or the other. You can't have both. So either ban the shift or ban the four-man outfield. I think and ideally ban both, but I don't know. Like, but that just went ahead. I just contradicted myself. I am not going to ban the shift, mm-hmm. but you got to look at the tape and say, okay, we've tried shifting this guy and he's doubled down the line twice. Okay, let's not shift him anymore yeah like just play him regular so it's just a matter of look the yankees they've only just become a fully embracing analytics team because yeah. cashman didn't get full control to like 2015-16 right yeah, right yeah, 20 yeah 2016 that's when hal said you know what fine and that's when he trades for glaber torres that's yeah. when he trades for Clint Frazier. that's when all these youngsters who are now starting to make an impact in the yankees are, are were acquired mm-hmm. so i think that 
once the Yankees, if the Yankees can sort of find the balance between the numbers and feel the game, because right now they're too married to the numbers. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's like Joe Girardi never left. Like, it, and yeah, it's Joe Girardi all over again without the binders. So, <laughs> so anyway, I think that, look, you say you don't think the Yankees can win with this team. I'm going to say the Yankees can win with this team, but the window's starting to close. I mean, no, no, no. I think they can win. I just don't think they will win. I, and yeah, the window, that occurred to me last year after the after the, they were eliminated. The I was like, the window is, is closing. Yeah. They've got two, maybe three years left. Mm-hmm. And, and that's assuming that they hold to the current model. Because we, we know that Cashman in the coming years, he's going to make a trade. He's going to draft a guy. He's going to sign a dude where we're like, oh, okay, all right, great. Because Brian Cashman, I mean, Jerry Seinfeld, he says as a comedian that like, oh, I'm always looking for material. Like even with my family and we're out and we're outing, I'll see something and I'll, I'll be seeing if I can write a bit of it in my head. Brian Cashman is probably looking at various numbers, rosters, international free agents and thinking, okay, like how many different, how many different pieces to the puzzle can I use? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I think this off season is crucial and I think they need to do a really good job. And I don't want to hear any of that. We're getting Severino Herman back. We don't need to make any moves. I'm still We're hoping Stanton and judge can stay healthy. I don't want to hear any of that. I'm yet. still not convinced Herman's going to be on the team next year. Oh, so it's funny that you brought that up. Hal addressed it in the interview. Yeah, yeah I, I saw what he said about it, which like, okay, great. That's all fine and dandy. Based on everything I know about Brian Cashman, I don't think he's going to be on the team next year. Yeah, Hal was like, I still need to discuss it like with Cashman and with my family. Um, I, yeah, my instinct would say he's not going to be on the team, but I don't know if that's wishful thinking. I don't want him on the team for a variety of reasons. Right, um, yeah. But yeah, I... I don't know. We'll see. So yeah, there. That's another issue. Like if you don't bring Herman back, now you need another pitcher even more. And I'll say Severino this, is not going to cut it by himself. Yeah, and and also Severino is probably not going to be back till like May or June. I'd exactly. Imagine. I think May is what they said, but who knows? They uh, might. Take I, I think May is very optimistic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Even mm-hmm. even though he got it like really early, still in spring training, I think that May is more on the optimistic side. And, and they always say how pitchers in their first year back from Tommy John, they're never quite themselves. Yeah. 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 Like so, I wouldn't expect Severino to look good until like later on in the season. I think his first few starts are going to be rough, but. And um, he'll probably be on a strict pitch count too. For sure. And yeah. with Herman, here, here's what I'll say on Herman. Look, I don't, we don't know what happened to him, but you and I have had conversations about it. I know enough about Domingo Herman off the field that I don't think I want him around the locker room anymore. Right. That that said, if he is going to be on the team next year, like, oh, fine. I'm going to complain the whole time about it. Right. Exactly. And, and that said, if I'm Cashman and not just the domestic violence incident, remember, remember how early this season he posted on it. Yeah. On Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. I'm I'm done with baseball. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, Oh, he's having a hard time being away from his teammates, bro. I understand that it sucks that you're on suspension, but you made your bed, sleep in it. Right. And if you're going to get up all your feelings about stuff, don't get on social media. Exactly. Like, it's, like, like now, now look, if, if you're Joe Schmo and you just want to vent on social media, that's fine. I do that all the time. Right. But like, if you are a public figure right. who yeah. has thousands of followers who like, 
millions upon millions of people know your name. Right. You really got to be careful about that, bro. Exactly. And like, and that said, if I'm Brian Cashman, like I'm saying to Herman, like, and and I'm doing this if only the trade market has been absolutely exhausted. There are no good offers out there, mm-hmm. which which is ridiculous because I've seen Herman pitch. There's going to be one team willing to part with like a, a prospect or two for. Him. Of course, yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. So. If I'm Brian Cashman, I am saying to Domingo Herman, you're coming back next year. You're going to have to compete for a spot in the rotation and we'll find a spot for you in the bullpen. If not, if you put one toe out of line, if I hear so much as your Uber got pulled over for whatever reason, right, right. If, if, if like, if you sneeze out of turn, if you, if you get so much as a speeding ticket, you're gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. Like, it's like you said, if he's going to be, you don't want him here, but if he's going to be, you're going to complain about it the whole time. I, my thoughts exactly. That's going to yeah, be, if and, it happens. And, yeah. and that isn't to say I don't believe in second chances. Cause I, cause I do believe that Herman, like he's still young enough. And even though he's kind of a jerk, like fine, let him give, let him have one more go in baseball. But like I said, one toe out of line out. I mean, I'd prefer his second chance to be given on another team. I mean, especially yeah, because. Yeah, right, right. And like I told you, I'm a little biased because I really do think that he's very overrated. But, you yeah. know, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I'd have to look at his um at his deeper numbers because like, he yeah, like one thing I definitely I noticed about Herman in 2019. Right. Yeah. 2019 is that because uh, Alec, who I talked about when we were talking about Herman 2018, I said, oh, man, he walks too many guys. He's not that good. And Alec, who was a college catcher. Uh-huh. He then said, no, no, Herman's fine. He's still learning how to pitch. And uh-huh. 2019, I looked at his numbers. Nothing really changed. Like, n- there was no grand rise or fall in any particular area. Yeah. The guy just learned how to pitch. Plain and simple. I mean, I mean, that's the thing, though. He did, he fell off in 2019. And I think, like, the beginning, his, his stats at the beginning of the season kind of made everyone think that he can be like a legit number three or something well, he, in the he, team's he rotation. Well, he fell off because he was pitching hurt. But, I know, but I just, yeah, yeah I, 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 I really do think he's overrated. And I don't even think he should be a starter, to be honest. But, you know, that might be a hot take of mine. I'd prefer him in the bullpen. I, uh, think, that, I think that's a minimal hot take, but I can, I can definitely see how, he, how the argument can be made that he's more beneficial to the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did we cover everything? I mean, I I think so. Yeah, <laughs> we can right. complain more. No, I'm good. I'm good. I, I I can only do so much. As much of a New Yorker as I am, I can only complain so much in one day. Right. Yeah, it's our li- and yeah, people don't yell at us for being New Yorkers who complain. It's our lifeblood. If we don't complain or bitch about something, we die. Facts. It's yeah. literally in your blood. All right. Um. Oh, and um. <laughs> nice job, almost beating the Cowboys this week. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah no I, oh god the, the cowboys with apology to with apologies to dallas fans i appreciate how much you love your team that your jerry jones has to not be in charge anymore oh plain god. and simple that that is such a bad defense like on paper bro i don't know how this happens to them like last year they had one of the best defenses in the league and there was it was supposed to happen again this year and they're just like they might have the worst defense right now. I nev- I've never played organized. <laughs> I've never played organized football above above gym class level, but I'm convinced that I could 
get behind um, a decent enough offensive line and throw a touchdown pass against the Dallas Cowboys. Defense. No, literally, Josh. I do. What are they doing out? They uh, literally made the uh, Giants look semi competent. Do you know yeah. how that is? No. Yeah, Colin Coward made a point of saying uh, on his show yesterday. Um, okay, so here's how much the Giants scored coming into this game, and here's how much they scored against the Cowboys. <laughs> the Cowboys are the problem. <laughs> no, and, literally. It's not like the Giants figured out how to play football. It's yeah. the Cowboys. Man. Yeah. All um, right. Anyway, we've been at this for over an hour. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> that was the Yankees uh, Mets Express uh, New York Yankees 2020 season autopsy. We'll be back next week, uh, hopefully, with uh, I go sort of a buy or sell game with uh, the Yankees incoming uh, or outgoing free agents or impending free agents and uh, whoever's got a new arbitration contract coming up. Uh, well, it pretty much be like keep them or dump them. So what the, yeah. what the news does. Also, uh, rest in peace to Henrik Lundqvist's legacy because he is now at the stupid Washington Capitals. Can we not do this? I, I am not okay with this. He has joined the other side. He is, this, this is like, the, oh God, for the Game of Thrones fans, Henrik Lundqvist just red wedding the Rangers. He joined yes. the Lannisters. In the Capitals. I'm not That's okay with That's messed up. Nah, bro. You know, go Capitals. Get no, that man no. a cup. Henrik Lundqvist is Roos Bolton. He has, he has turned on us. Josh, don't Henry. be a boomer. Don't be a boomer. This is like, no. How, no. how am I a boomer about this? Ultimate Rangers legend. He deserves a cup more than anyone in this entire world. I'd rather he have gone to the freaking Islanders over the over the Capitals. Yeah, that's not, no. I If you can find me one other Rangers fan who would say that, I will literally. Oh, I, I am fully aware I'm all alone in an I just, I just really hate the Capitals. I know. I, it's, I it's very funny. Cap. It's very, very funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's the show today, folks. You can find uh, me on Twitter. Follow, uh, follow uh, ESNY on Twitter at Elite Sports NY. Subscribe to Yankees Mets Express on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Rate us five stars. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Josh B ESNY. At Lean underscore Amin. Yep. And um, yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna start posting more gifts on Twitter. I gotta get crazy this off season. I'm just gonna go nuts on Twitter. I'm already. I've already decided I'm gonna rewatch Cheers from start to finish. Or yeah, we'll see. I've never. I've never watched uh, Cheers properly. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so yeah, those. That's our social media at Josh B E S N Y at Lean underscore Amin at Elite Sports N Y. Follow us all. We've got great content. Like us on uh, iTunes. Give us five stars. Thanks so much. This has been Yankees Express. Thanks for the closing doors. Bye.